0: You got to keep the big picture that, hey, we're changing the world. We're changing the world. If you want to be taken seriously, you have to be consistent.
1: We're speaking with people that are sending a pulse to their industry.
0: Pulse welcome to, to
1: industry. Electric People. We have Dave Madsen on the check show. Check out Tim Ballard. Jeff Curl. Sheckler. Kenzie Watts. The
0: League presents Electric People. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Electric People. We are uh, excited to have our guest, Brady Martinez, on. He is one of our DMs in the New Jersey market. Which office is it, Brady? Uh, it's NJ2. NJ2, Wolfpack. Wolfpack. The Wolfpack. The Wolfpack. Yeah, the, the, Wolfpack. the office that uh, Zach and Cam started and then they have passed the torch on to Brady. So. I need to get some
1: Wolfpack gear, man. I've been rocking my Whalers gear, just so you know.
0: Yeah, Wolfpack is a legendary team. It's a legendary team, yeah. so. We got a new logo coming out, too, so. New a, drop? Yeah. They're about to be. <laughs> They're about to drop some new swag on us. This gonna be wild. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Um, Brady uh, has been in the direct sales industry for uh, since '08 or '09. '09. '09. So yeah. about 11 years, and um, did door-to-door home security sales for 10 years. Yep. And then came to us about two years ago, right? Correct. Yeah. So Brady's got a lot of experience in the door-to-door industry, and is uh, been killing it for us since he came out to Jersey with his his beautiful wife and kids and making it happen down there on the shore. How's the family adjusting to the Jersey Shore, man? You coming from from Utah or where were you living before this? Yeah, we were in Vineyard, Utah. Okay, so oh. like I mean, it's quiet about as quiet towns you can possibly be in. Yeah, quiet to the rough and rowdy. <laughs> to the rough and rowdy. <laughs> that's literally that's what like it a is.
1: Vineyard thing to say. Huh? Quiet to the rough and rowdy.
0: How does, how does Joe like the shore?
2: Well, I mean. Outside of uh, it getting shut down, before it got shut down, it was great. I yeah. mean, the, uh, I think one of the things that, especially during, you know, the shutdowns and whatnot, is we have the beach. So the beach is the big draw to where we're at. So um, being able to go, you know, any day to the beach and go swim, search for shells, she loves it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's, I mean, it's a big adjustment. It's Did different.
1: they try to shut your beaches down during COVID?
2: Uh, just for a minute, but as soon as uh, beach season opened up, like that's what you just can't stop it. That's what keeps the shore, yeah. you know, retail everything going. They tried it to can. close
1: our beaches on the west coast, dude, and like you think people over there are pretty like mellow? They were not mellow. They were
2: not. Tried nah, to they're they're like,
0: like, well, that's, that's the reason it wasn't that happening.
1: That's the reason that people pay what they pay. Is, yeah, that, yeah, you know what I mean.
0: It's well, it's it's funny because I, you know, you grew up out west. I grew up out west, and you always hear like this stigma about the Jersey Shore. And now that I've been there a bunch of times, like I, it's one of my favorite places in the country. It's, it's, beautiful. It's, it's beautiful, there's all the boats, you have all these cool beach bars all up and down the shore. Um, the beaches are beautiful. I mean it's it's like, a I feel like it's a hidden gem hmm. in the country.
2: So that's what, I mean that's what everyone asks me you know when I'm on the doors or whatnot. Like hey, you know why did you move? Like from Utah or how do you like it? I'm like well it's cool. Um, I tell them you know obviously I moved for work but uh, in Utah, we were surrounded by the mountains, so absolutely beautiful. So, where we lived, you just had scenery for mm-hmm. days. Uh, here, or in the short, we have the beach. Like, it's something completely different, um, which I like because you can't compare it. So, whether you like Utah or the, or the Jersey Shore, you can't compare the two, they're so different, so it makes it easy.
0: Yeah, you don't have to like one or the other. It's yeah. like, you know, they're both so different. Yeah. Yeah, it's you kind can of how I feel with being out in Boston as well.
1: Had you gone coast to coast, or pretty much for selling alarms? Like, did you sell in all sorts of different
2: markets? <laughs> no, I sold in Texas pretty much, in Houston for like the entire time.
1: Oh, really? Yeah. You like it nice and heavy and dripping Hot, with humidity. Just,
0: just yeah. Just you nasty. just went back to back to back summers in Houston.
1: Yeah, I think uh, let's see. I started. That's smart. That's actually what people should do more often. I I remember, man, we would jump. We would jump all over the place, like from California to Virginia. And it's like once you learn a market,
0: stay there. Yeah, Yeah,
1: staying put is like one of the secrets to prospecting, right?
2: Well, you you don't want to start over. That's the hardest part: is starting over. So that's you know, we. I think my first year, my first year, we went San Antonio, and then we went to uh, San Diego slash Portland. We you know went mid season to to Portland, and then after that, it was Houston every year. Cause you know it's just gonna work. We know it, we go yeah. knock the same neighborhoods, and you have hundreds of cells in these small neighborhoods and just, you know, keeps producing. Mm. Yeah. How'd you get into alarm sales? Um. Well, kind of funny story. Uh, so, I was at the end of uh, my baseball career, and um, I was just trying to decide whether I was gonna go play one more year or, you know, see what happened, I guess, after that. Play another year, I should say. Or start working. I just got married. Um, and my, um, I have cousins. They're actually my second cousins. Uh, were, it was Wendell Jacobson. Do you know the Jacobsons? Of course. Mm-hmm. So, um, Wendell's the, your second cousin? So uh, Melba, his wife is, yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Wow. So it's my, yeah, I guess that's what you call it. My mom and uh, Melba are cousins. So that would be second, I guess.
0: So you started at, at Platinum with Chance's company.
2: Yeah, so that's what I actually. I mean, they were super successful, right? They, mm-hmm. you know, they were in the the boom of what you know what they had going on. So I'm like, hey, you know, I'm trying to decide what I'm doing. I'm graduated from college. Um, you know, I'm trying to decide if I'm going to go uh, play baseball again or. And also, this was 2008, so there's nothing going on. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This for is our time.
1: For our listeners that don't know, Wendell Jacobs and his Jacobson, right? Yeah. And his family
2: funded Platinum Security. They Secure. funded Platinum. Yeah. So, so, yeah. So they funded all Platinum. So I talked to them, and they're like, "Hey, uh, our son-in-law Jason, it's Jason Coots. You, you, manage Jason, with Jason, yeah? Right? So he has made hundred grand the last couple of years uh, doing this um, alarm stuff. I'm like. That's a lot of money. I, you know, I was playing minor league baseball and making, you know, pennies, and you know that 100 grand is a lot of money at that mm-hmm. point. Uh, plus, I was just married, um, wanted to, you know, show, show, show something to my wife that hey, you know, I can provide for us. So I'm like, hey, let's let's do that. And so that's kind of how I, I jumped into it. Called Coots on the phone and said, hey, I want to. I want to come sell for you. What do I need to do? So man, if I would've, so I managed, with,
0: I managed with Jason in LA in 07, and then I went back to my previous company the next year. So if I would've stayed with Jason one more year, I would've been Brady's manager. Yeah, that would've fun? been great. I just like, it would've love, been great. <laughs> <laughs> I love like a
1: lot of times when top performers are like, how'd you get into it? They're like, well, I just called and asked if I could come aboard. That's kind that of wild. I felt. Well, I I felt begged like, people when I yeah. was, yeah. My first year, I, I remember I went to like a dinner and then I was like, hey, well, is there like room? Can I come? <laughs> you know, like, can I join the team, you know?
2: And I honestly, so when I made the call, I'm like, I have nothing, you know, I know nothing about this company. I know nothing about, you know, alarms. I didn't even know exactly how it was done. I just know, hey, he made good money. Um, if I just do what he did, then I can make good money, so.
0: So Brady is an accomplished athlete, um, and like many of our, our sales guys and sales athletes, play at high school sports or college sports, and Brady was, uh, you grew up in Price, Utah, which is the uh, home of the Carbon Dinos. Carbon High, home of the Dinos, yep. Carbon mm-hmm. High, home of the Dinos. You gotta say it just like <laughs> that, right? Wait, wait so it's like called, a minute, it's high.
1: called Carbon High.
0: Home of the Dinos.
1: And the mascot is the dinos. Yep. Ooh. How coal and carbon is this place, right? It's, uh, it's coal
0: mining town. Yeah, yeah. It's exactly. coal country. Yeah, I know
2: it's about coal price. country. Yeah,
0: carbon. Yeah. I mean, Brady went to carbon high, and now he's solar. Carbon high. Yep. Dinosaurs. <laughs> like. yeah, exactly. And,
2: you know, it's kind of crazy. My whole family was in the mining industry, which is kind of cool. My dad was a coal miner. That's like where I learned everything. He was a coal miner for 38 years. Grandparents on both sides. You know, worked in the mine. My brother still, you know, he builds, uh, you know, power supply equipment for mines and stuff. So really? It's pretty cool. How did they, you know
1: Ty Mickelson there? Are you guys from the same town? No.
2: No. But no, I, let's see, I just met Ty from Jason. He was my regional when I first started.
0: How, we'll come back to the athletic part, but real quick, how'd the family feel about you selling solar?
2: They love it. Yeah, you know, it was like I mean, a hippie. No, you like a, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know if I've ever asked, but I don't think it's like diehard coal. Yeah. It's just, that was the opportunity. It's just the industry there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so my dad was an athlete. He, you know, played baseball, uh, wrestled um, in college. And, you know, but he, at the time, the opportunity was the coal mines. Yeah. And there was, there's still a lot of money to be made in the coal mines. Hmm. Um, and that's, you know, just comes from, hey, you're, you live here. This is the opportunity. Jump on it. And, you know, he made a great living days. for us. Yeah.
0: So, in Utah, for our listeners, they they class high school sizes into classes. So, there's like 1A is the smallest, 5A is the largest. A 5A school is like 2,500 to 3,000 kids. A 1A school is 100 kids, basically, oh, yeah. right? 100, yeah. 100. So, Price was what? 3A or 2A? 3A. 3A. So, yeah. Brady was a star baseball player in high school. And every year, Utah does this thing where they have a Mr. Baseball for the whole state. Doesn't matter what class you're in or anything like that. But in all the years they've been doing it, I would be willing to bet you that less than five players ever have not been in either 4A or 5A, just because the level of competition is a lot higher, it's just like bigger, right? Mm -hmm. So Brady as a 3A carbon high home of the Dinos was Utah's Mr. Baseball. Wow. Which is pretty cool. So I love you
1: can't say carbon high without home of the dinosaurs. Yeah, carbon. You gotta keep the home of the dino. <laughs> and he's
2: like, yeah, I love it. It's the best mascot ever. So then he went on to
0: play went on to play baseball at University of Utah, was a pitcher, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um and then did a and team. middle infielder. And just middle. In infielder. Never, <laughs> in never got in a game.
2: One at bat. One at bat, ground out, ground is what I said.
0: Second or third or short, where'd you ground out uh,
2: to? Well, embarrassing enough, it was. I think it was to the pitcher.
0: You dribbled one up the middle. Oh, yeah. Hey, sure. I, guess it was BYU I guess well <laughs> We were
2: blowing out BYU, and they we are like, hey.
0: Coach said, give Mark, give that old Martinez <laughs> kid a shot.
2: <laughs> give him a swing. Yeah, hey, yeah. I was a solid BP, though. Let Practice. Him take, let him take a rip. Practice BP, home run derby every time. There you go. That's yeah. funny. <laughs> um,
0: so then does a two-year uh, service mission for the Mormon Church in Dominican Republic, which... Great baseball mission. Yeah. I'm guessing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, couldn't ask for a better place to go if you're a baseball player. Best spot. Best, Best spot. spot. You play a lot of baseball yeah. when you were there?
2: Uh, yeah, every day. So we
0: would oh, play. Really?
1: It's really like that in the DR, like people playing. Oh, I mean, it's like. Because I, mean, I know a lot of players come out of there. Yeah. yeah.
0: And it's so, all they have right now. I mean, it's like, it's like a, it's a way to get sort of to the States, right? Yeah it's,
2: yeah. it's you go walking around and all the kids are playing, they call it BITIA, and it's bottle cap with a broomstick. Uh, baseball. Kind of like indoor is to
1: soccer like they play on like little ball small yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: And it's like the stories are they're true. I mean these kids are you'll you'll have kids playing with you know their gloves a, a milk carton or whatever and it's I mean that's why wow. they're so dang good. Well, they, why, I've, they, I've, I've they? actually heard that. I've heard that yeah. that's
1: why they're so good because they are fielding with a cut open milk carton and then they get on turf
2: with like good equipment and they're like a, a nice sleazy. leather glove. Yeah. yeah, this ground isn't just plush like perfect ground. They're they're taking crazy hops
0: and taking crazy hops to the face, and everywhere else. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, you gotta. Um, oh, that's cool. so you do you go there, you come back, and you transfer from Utah to Arizona State, yeah, which, um, in the baseball community, Arizona State is the equivalent of like Alabama football, like it's like it's the gold standard for college baseball. So, obviously, you made a huge impression on the coaches ASU before and then they saw yeah. an opportunity to pick you up after you went on your two-year mission. Well, that's kind of a story in itself. So when, so I went on
2: when I went on my mission, uh, coach Esme, Tim Esme was my coach at university, of Utah. So I was gone for about a year and he actually transferred cause he's a Arizona state alum and he transferred and he became the assistant coach at Arizona state, mm. which I mean, you go be an assistant coach at Arizona State, you're paid doubles from being the head coach mm-hmm. in Utah. Right. It's, it's that big of a difference. And so, he went there and I knew and I was actually thinking about transferring anyway. Um I had, you know, I was I had talked to BYU. I shouldn't repeat repeat that. I don't ever want to repeat that I thought about going to BYU, but
0: um <laughs> good but thing you said it on the podcast. You, no one's yeah, you're no se- one your safe no. with us. <laughs>
2: All right. So, no, but uh no, so I I strategically Sent uh, Coach Esme an email. I'm like, I was on my mission, you know, P-day. I'm like, hey, uh, congrats on um, on you know the transfer to Arizona State, and, and hey, I'm thinking about transferring. Any any suggestions? And then you know, get the email back. Yeah, we want you. So you know, a little strategic. You're like, oh, I I I. Well, yeah, that's I weird. Heard, man. I had. Oh. It. I mean, obviously, this comes as a surprise. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so <laughs> you just got to throw yourself out there. while, yeah. I guess, yeah. but. Yeah, so I ended up you know getting the same scholarship, moving over, going from you know, I mean, don't get me wrong, Utah, University of Utah, we had some amazing athletes, uh, some of my best friends ever, but being able to go from there to University or Arizona State is like nine different. Yeah, it was instead of changing in the parking lot uh, before practice before a game, you know, you have a you locker have some room facilities. Yeah, <laughs>
0: that's cool. So you went on, you go down play down there, and you're only down there for a year, right? And then before yeah. you got drafted, yeah. So I was there my
2: junior year. Um, had a really good year. Uh, and yeah, what's I'm, a good year? Um, I let's see. Played a lot. I, I I led the team in appearances. So I was um, a middle relief closer guy. So we had three uh, other, actually two other closers: Brett Bordis, Zachary Zencola, and myself. So. Um, Every once in a while, you know, depending on what was going on in the game, the coach would call us to cl- uh, close the game. Or if there was something going, you know, going, going wrong in the game and we need, to make, we need to make it stop, it was one of us coming in. So uh, it just kind of was a, a nice little rotation. Um, I ended up leading the team in appearances, which that's a big deal. Like, that's, hey, I played more games than anybody on the team. Coach trusts
0: you, obviously. Yeah,
2: exactly. Um, And um, I don't remember what the stats were, but I had a great year. So I had a great year. Um, Ended up, uh, um, yeah, I got a phone call. uh, Well, once the draft was going on, I got a phone call from uh, Coach Murphy. And he's like, hey, what do you want to do? Do you want to stay here? Uh, play another year we'd love you to stay or you've already been on a mission you're getting a little bit older um, it might be best to sign and so you know I had that conversation with him and uh, Andy Stankiewicz was one of the scouts for the Yankees and he you know called me up and you know signed me it's pretty awesome good old Stankiewicz next thing you know you're
0: you're wearing pinstripes and playing on the Yankees as so, a Dodger
2: fan, that, that was pretty tough, too. Yeah. <laughs> but, hey.
0: But I loved it. Yeah, yeah no, it's awesome. Um, so you play minor league ball for the Yankees. Mm-hmm. And here's what I'm interested in is, I mean, I think there's so many kids growing up, myself included, that dream of playing pro ball, either football, baseball, basketball, whatever, right? And um, But you don't understand that even after college or after you get drafted, there's an entire, like, Almost like a purgatory period where you're not playing pro ball. You're like in the minor leagues, and you're in this minor league system. And baseball has the most rigorous minor league system of probably any sport. I mean, it's rookie ball, single A, double A, triple A. You know, all the way up. Two separate single A's. Two separate single A's. <laughs> and rookie. and these these teams are playing in front of 500 people, and they're riding old dingy buses from Charlotte to Richmond and wherever else. Right. So. Mm-hmm. It's not glamorous, and so my question is obviously, you know, base, clearly, baseball didn't work out long term. Uh. Uh, you know, you're knocking doors uh, for the last 12 years, but um, I think we could all agree we'd rather play pro ball than knock door them. You know, knock doors. But what was it like to have this like dream come true? Like your your dream is coming true as a young athlete. And a year later, or within 18 months, or however long it was, all of a sudden you're out of the game.
2: Yeah, I mean, there's some heartbreaking moments. I can tell you, it was so that was the scariest part. In spring training each year, um, they would they would have their cuts, so they'd have their releasing moment, and you didn't want to go to your locker and have someone walk up and say, "Hey, got a meeting. <laughs> you got a meeting here. Go talk to him." And that was like, your life just ended. Mm. So your whole life before that moment was baseball. So you were a baseball, that was your identity. You're a baseball player. And then all of a sudden you get told, hey, you're not a Yankee.
0: This is where the, this is where the, the road ends.
2: Yeah. Um, luckily there was different avenues and I, I was able to extend it for a little bit longer and kind of ended on my own terms. Um, but yeah, that moment was just crushing.
0: And then, what, what were you doing? Were you at your locker? Was it after a game, before a game? Like, what um, was the after practice? Like, what was the situation?
2: So I thought I was safe, actually, because so we it, Joe Girardi. It was his first year uh, with the Yankees. The
0: yeah, they won the World Series. Uh,
2: maybe I don't even.
0: Remember. I'm pretty sure they won his first year. Yeah. Yeah. What year was it? 0-6? Oh six.
2: Oh, uh, no. Oh seven. Oh eight. 07, 07, yeah. um, Yeah, 07, I played in Kansas City for 08. So I, uh, so yeah, it was Joe Girardi's first year, so he actually extended the cuts to like the very end of spring training. So usually it's, you know, you go through spring training, mid-spring training, they'll do some cuts, you know, get some guys out. And I actually had had a really good season the year before, so I'm like, yeah, I'll, I'll be going to high eight, things should be good. Um, it was probably a, a week before spring trading ended, and yeah, I was headed back to the locker after throwing uh, a bullpen or something, and then yeah, I just got the uh, got the tap on the shoulder. Hey, we need to come talk to you. And, and then I mean, it, it, they're super cool. They're like, hey, what can we do? There's there's a lot of other uh, you know teams that would probably love to have you. There's other programs um, in baseball. There's you know, Is there's there
1: like a, f- a quick combo, like Moneyball, like where it's like, yeah, hey, I was we're just moving saying the on
2: same thing. You. Yeah. I mean, there's, it was pretty quick, but, you know, they, they held a good conversation. It was like, at the moment, my brain was like, hey, I'm done. I'm like toast. Like, you're not a happy camper, but they, you know, kind of walk you through it and like, hey, we can reach out to, you know, some other teams or there's, you know, independent ball. And I had an agent, so that helped out, you know, helped me find other avenues. And I ended up, uh, the next, the next year actually, so that was spring training that same year. I, I went and played independent uh, professional baseball for a team in Kansas City, which was probably my favorite baseball time ever. Really. But it was wild. We'd get like 12,000 fans and and that right. you know, was a beautiful stadium in Kansas City, mm-hmm. and, we want to Kansas City's yeah, awesome. Great. Kansas City is one of the places I could live. I it's love cool Kansas spot. It's cool,
1: yeah, especially now like yeah, they've they've continued to like
2: renew it and stuff. Kansas City's cool. We were right by a NASCAR track. Mm-hmm. I think we shared the stadium with the soccer team, professional soccer team. so it's beautiful stadium mm-hmm. And so yeah,
0: one thing that um, your friends have said is that every time there's a pro baseball game on. Brady has played with someone that's on TV. I
2: guarantee Um, that was Cam. Cam's an idiot.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I think it was actually Biss. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Uh, They said every time there's a game on, Brady's played with someone on TV.
2: Nah, I mean, that's... It's probably true. I mean, when you're... When you have a chance to play professional baseball or play at Arizona State, you're just around people that are really good at baseball. Right. And, like... A small percentage of people make it to the big leagues, but if you're at a- ASU, they have the most big leaguers ever. And so, you're gonna be around guys. Right. So, yeah, it's a true story. It's uh, <laughs> <laughs> how uh, much How much does that, like, change your performance? Like, do you get, like,
1: tips from the guys, or do you mostly just level your, or elevate your level of play just for being around them?
2: Um, so, yeah, I mean, it does, it does help you. You know, you're either playing up or playing down to your level or to the level around you, I should say. So yeah, being around the best makes you play better, 100%. Because how much of that translates to what we do here, right? Because I think a lot of the guys that really want to be
1: somebody in the industry, they work here. We have the most tools, we have the best pay, we have the longest track record, strongest financial backing. Um, But in my career, I feel like that's been one of the biggest advantages is just being around people that are on a level that I didn't even know existed. Yeah, well,
2: your standards and expectations are completely different. If you're with you know a a bad company or you know a bad team where people aren't taking it serious, you can be the best and not do very right. very well, and that's that's your standard and that's what you're gonna live to. But if you're around guys that are um, better than you or outperforming you or you know can see see better in you, then you're gonna excel, and that's 100%.
0: I think that's one of the things when when. You know, we'll get asked all the time, like, what's the difference between us and, say, a small startup company or kind of an up-and-coming company or whatever. Um, it's just always, well, do you want to compete at the highest level? Because if, you if you're competitive and you want to compete with the most comp- in the com- most competitive workforce possible in the solar industry, then you come work with us. Because we just have such a deep bench with so many talented people. Um, and there might be, you know, it's not to discredit, there's probably some really, really good salesmen at other companies. But I know for me, I did. I never worked at Vivint Smart Home. I always worked at other companies. And you always, like, tell yourself the story of, like, oh, I'm sure I could be just fine over there, this, that, whatever. But, like, deep down, you kind of know that you're not in the big leagues. You know what I mean? And then all of a sudden, you come work at Vivint and... It becomes apparent very quickly that you're playing with a whole different caliber of hmm. sales guys.
2: Well, if you think about it, so you know, my first uh, my first uh, time managing was at um, Platinum, right? And the whole pitch was, "Don't go over to Vivant or Apex or whatever it was at the time, because there's no room for growth. Right. You're not going to be able to grow. So literally, what they're saying is, you're not good enough. You're not going to be able to." to do well. So, and then you go over there and you're with the best and you just rise, right? So, and I think that is the biggest difference is when you're around the best people, you become better. And if you hold yourself back, then yeah, you're gonna stay, you know, pretty stagnant. How was uh, the transition to solar? Like I
1: remember hearing your name before ever meeting you where, people were like, hey, I think we can get Brady over. And then I hear East Coast, West Coast, like you were somebody that obviously had a really good reputation. Mm-hmm. So how did that transition happen into solar? So
2: um, how did I decide to come over or?
1: Well, and I, how was it starting up? Like, what was it like coming over to solar?
2: Oh, it was, uh, I mean, so two things, I guess. Coming over, I, I had wanted to come over to solar for years. Oh, okay. It was kind of one of those things where I knew the situation of my family You know, I have um, three kids, one on the way. Um, I knew I wanted to not have to leave for the summer anymore because it's like alarms were great. It was, you know, we, I had a really good experience. Um, Some of my best friends come from it, but eventually you grow out of it, right? And you need to, um, the earning potential, you need to get better earning potential and, uh, you know, be in a better spot where you can live with your family year round. Mm -hmm. That was huge for me. Um, so then finally, you know, made the leap of faith and came over and it was, it's the same thing. I mean, it's door to door sales. So you have a different product, obviously, um, there are different things you have to do with moving accounts over. But my first thing that I did was, well, first I went and shadowed BIS because again, just like we talked about, it's like, Hey, what are the best guys doing? Uh, go find out what they're doing and just try, try to raise raised to their level. So I went and shadowed this, some created a couple ACs, You know, knocked on like, what, two or three doors and you know, created a couple ACs, it was mm-hmm. great. Um, and then I had you know second day, I'm like, all right, I'm gonna go out, I'm gonna knock as many doors as I can. I don't even know what a solar panel looks like. I don't know anything about this. I just wanna hear how people are gonna respond to me. Because also it was the fact that I'd been selling in Texas. People in Texas and people in New Jersey are completely different. Yeah. So I had to. I had to, you know, get a feel of what people are. There are more
0: different people. I was just gonna say it's funny because like people from when people, Texas when people sell
2: in Texas, they always come back
1: and say people are so nice. And in a direct sales job, it's just not what you hear very often, but it's like at the core, at the like the most like raw of sales, people in Texas are nice. I actually appreciate an East Coast sale because mm-hmm. they don't string you along before they break your heart. They just yeah. cut
2: it quick, which is actually more efficient. Yeah. But it's hard to get used to. Yep. And so, yeah, that was my, I mean, I had to see, you know, how people would react and whatnot. But so far, I mean, it's, it's life-changing. It's been great. So we've loved it. Get to watch my kids grow up and not have to miss, you know. It, it starts as a summer job, and then it, you know, kind of trickled into yeah, it the, turns the into year life. thing. Yeah. So then now I'm actually there for everything. So that's been great.
0: Well, I think you have a similar story to all of us that it came from the summer sales industry, which is, at some point, you the the grind of moving every summer and all that kind of starts wearing on you. And it's not that you're opposed to moving; you just don't want to live like a vagabond anymore and yeah. like live out of you know these plastic totes that you have your whole summer kit, you know, that you move every summer and that whole deal. But um, bless bless your wife, because we know that anyone who's done it for ten years, yeah, your yeah. Josie's got to be a trooper.
2: Oh yeah, she put up with way too much. <laughs>
0: Well, and, and Josie's family is a group of, like, high achievers as well, right? I mean, yeah. it's like, and she was a gymnast at ASU. Oh, really? Um, so, um, I mean, are your kids just going to be superhuman kids? Yeah,
2: pretty much. Yeah. yeah <laughs> they, they really are. <laughs> no, nah, they're incredible. I mean, obviously, I'm pretty biased because they're my kids. But, but
0: yeah, they... Yeah, boys or girls?
2: Uh, the oldest two are girls, and then the youngest is a boy. Got it. Who will, you won't find them without a baseball. It's really? Amazing. Really? Just that's just like the best thing ever for you, huh? Yeah. It's it's amazing. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. There's
0: so many parallel I think I think baseball of all the sports has the most parallels to sales. Um, where, you know, you take like the batting average, you know, the best hitters in the world are only getting on base 3 out of 10 times. And a Hall of Fame hitter is getting Which
1: that's that's actually like that really is like raw pitch stats. Yes. Right? Yeah. Like yep. give me 10 people I'll probably hold convo with three of them and I'll probably get on one. Yeah. You know what I mean? You're right.
0: Yeah. And it's like the the Hall of Fame hitters are getting on base three and a half times out of ten. Not even that, yeah. like three and a quarter times yeah, out three of ten. And, a quarter. Yeah, yeah. and they're in the Hall of Fame, right? Yeah. So it's like they're failing sixty five percent of the time or more and they're in the Hall of Fame. So I always, you know, tell sales reps like, Look, like it's sales is a contact sport, just like baseball. Like you're gonna fail more than you succeed, and like all these other analogies, but From a pitcher's perspective, you know, you are a closer and, um, you know, you talk, you've talked to me a little bit about your goal wasn't necessarily to strike people out. Yeah. It's to actually throw a pitch. You know, they can hit just not hit well. Yeah. So how do you take that sort of philosophy into your approach to, knocking doors and and dealing with failure and all kinds of you know sales analogies I guess
2: yeah I don't I, mean, I don't know it's uh, with anytime you hear of someone that played any kind of sport it's the competition the competition is like hey if you can be competitive in your sport you can be competitive here and do really well and that was I mean that's always you know the first thing is you take the the competitive side to you know the doors um, but then also, it's like you have to give yourself enough shots so, and you have to do it the right way. I always have a plan. When I'm going to knock a door, I'm not just winging it. I'm, I literally don't go door to door to door to door. I'm you know, pepper in my area. I go to specific doors. So I have a plan when I'm out there. And it's the same thing. When, I, when I'm pitching, I always have a plan. And my plan is give myself a shot. If I can just uh, throw the ball over the plate uh, with a little bit of movement, they're going to hit the ball. It's either going to go foul a couple times or maybe a swing and a miss or they're going to put it in play and, uh, you know, get out. Um, And then with doors, it's, hey, if I give myself enough doors and just give myself a shot and uh, ask for the sell, eventually, you know, that happens. That's
1: cool for me to hear because I didn't know that. Like, I always thought that if somebody, like, fouled a shot, it's because of the way they were hitting, not because fouled of the way you the person foul pitch. You say foul <laughs> pitch. Right. Can you not just let it slide once in a while no. <laughs> every now and then? Can you not but I saw it his was face good too? <laughs> I, I got <laughs> sad. <laughs>
0: just maybe, no, I'm just a pitch. You foul a pitch. Right. You shoot a shot, you foul a pitch.
1: No, dude, I'm okay, in so anyway, so but I used to think that yeah, like if there was a foul that it was because of the way the person was hitting, but it's it's the pitcher that's often you're creating that. You're creating that, which is so much how it is at our job where I think a lot of reps will say, I just didn't get one today, or I couldn't find the right person, and they don't realize that they're controlling most of the reaction that they get mm-hmm. based, on what you, based on what they say and what they present and what they bring and how prepared they are. Like you, you manage reps, so it's like you can sit behind a rep on a door
2: mm-hmm.
1: and listen to them do a pitch, and you sometimes can count in your head, three, two, one, there's the rejection because of what they like lobbed out there. Yeah. But then sometimes you're back there and you're like, this one's gonna work and you go right in. Talk about that, like how much, when, when you transition into selling and like teaching
2: reps to sell, what's something that reps can do to improve that ratio? Uh, for me, for when I when I'm training reps, I just tell them, "Hey, get in front of as many doors as you can," right? Um, because you need to figure out, just like I told you when I first started, I need to figure out how people are going to respond. And I think too often reps want to shadow. They want to shadow over and over and over. I'm like, you've seen it a million times. You don't need a right. shadow. You've read the pitch. You know exactly what it is. But until you can actually feel, um, you know, what you're saying, or you know until you can say what you're saying and feel the rejection come at you, uh, you're never gonna get better. So for me, it's just, if you wanna get over a learning curve, if you're just starting, knock as many doors as you can. It's the quickest way to get over. Well, and I think people naturally evolve too, right? Like, if you, can only, like you
1: can only throw a pitch at me so many times and watch me hit it perfectly before you change something. Yeah. Right. And I think that happens to, like, a lot of times, I hope people don't take this the wrong way, but a lot of times when people want to knock with you, knock with you, knock with you, knock with you, what they're looking for is a break. Yeah, right. 100%. They feel like well, they, they're still working, 100%. but they're not actually working. You need to practice. You would never, like, call timeout in the middle of a game and be like, hey, can I watch you for a couple? Yeah. Like, I just feel weird. Today's not my day. I need yeah. a break, you know? But they, they trick think they It's like a,
0: It's like you trick yourself into thinking you're being effective and really you're just wasting time.
1: Yeah. And so it's like, you're going to stop pitching. You're going to pull me out of my neighborhood and drive over to you. So now two people are being unproductive. And one of the things that I would always do when I was leading teams was say, um, when people called me in those moments, I would say, hey, either either record like your pitch into the phone so I can hear it and um, send it to me like on your off time and I'll critique it or come work with me in the morning because in the morning you can pitch me 25 times on doors. I don't know how much time you do So
2: I have very strict philosophy on and I, I don't I think I on you know training reps I think um, I don't remember who kind of changed my ways because before it was like yeah, I'll bring anybody. Come watch me. Just come whatever. Whenever. Yeah, we'll baby along the way, and then yeah, you finally realize actually these guys just want a day off. So um, it's not helping. Yeah. No, it's not helping at all, and it's actually hurting them. So my philosophy is, um, if you want pitch training, um, we can do it in the morning, just like you were saying. So I'll train anybody in the morning, one-on-one pitch training. Um, if you've been selling for a while, you don't you don't need pitch training. Um, and I my other part is I don't. I never go into their area, I'm always just in my area and never in prime time. I don't do prime time knocking with reps because that's my personal time where I need to be able to get my personal sales and show them, hey, I'm leading from the front and doing this. But, um, I I mean, I think there's very specific ways you can help reps um, and babying them along isn't the way.
1: That's vital, it's almost like, you know, I think about this with fight training because I've I've done a fair amount of fight training, and I always think you would never say to your instructor, hey, let's go out and see if you get in a fight, and I wanna watch what you do. Mm -hmm. Because you're gonna walk around forever, it's just ridiculous that thought, but if you go into an open mat session, I can throw a punch into a, a mitt 500 times, and we can get it absolutely perfect. Yeah. So it's like you take someone, and if it's not prime time, which I agree with, you come into my neighborhood at three to six, I might get two shots off, that's it. You come in in the morning and we are gonna, like you never get a chance to work with a professional and have them whittle down 25 pitches. If you do it 25 times with a pro, you're gonna get it, right? I
2: can tell you, there's probably been over 100 times I've taken a rep out and yeah, it was that before prime time and we knocked some doors, I talked about three people, one of them in Spanish and I'm like, you didn't learn anything (laughs) but it was good hanging out with you. Yeah, that's right.
0: (laughs) um, I think I was just thinking about your baseball career, and um, so one. This is the last time I'm gonna I'm gonna gas uh, Brady up with his baseball career. But he went his senior year and only allowed one hit the entire year. One run. One run the entire year. I don't know how many hits, but one run the entire year. So that's pretty good. That's pretty good. That's, that's pretty good. So 0.17 uh, ERA. We'll get it. Uh, <laughs> and but, we went undefeated. Undefeated, one run the entire year, pitched in every game, right? Yeah,
2: yeah, we had a different strategy.
0: Yep. And just ruin your arm, basically.
2: Well, so <laughs> no, what happened is uh, we—I came in the last. So in high school baseball, it's only seven innings. So we would have we had three other um, like good starters. Yeah. And so they pitched the first and when three Martinez innings. Then Martinez came in, they like, knew the game was over. Yep.
0: But um, so in college, obviously, you still were successful, but started getting some hits. I actually, I think one of the most fascinating parts of professional baseball pitchers is the batter they face after a home run. It's like you get, someone hits a home run on you, that's got to just be like the worst feeling ever, you know. And then so, and then the next batter, especially, by happens? the way, especially if the guy hitting the home run on you is like, The second or third batter in the lineup, and you know the best hitter in the lineup is the next batter. I was gonna say, are there
1: stats that show that there's like a higher likelihood of getting on base after a home run or after a hit like that? Because the pitcher gets rattled. What's funny, you
2: watch it and you can usually tell. It's like, and I'll tell people all the time. We're watching a game and gives up a like crucial home run in, in like crazy moment. And a lot of times what happens is there's a walk immediately after because the pitchers oh, is rattled.
1: Happens.
0: Do they do they and sometimes are those walks on purpose? Like they're almost just like, I don't want to deal with this batter. Let me get my composure. I'm gonna let you get on base. Like no, let me let me You don't it.
2: want this get next guy on base. It's like uh, hey, I'm afraid to throw a strike now because the last one just hit a four hundred yard. Yeah, I threw my
0: best pitch I possibly can throw and he just hit a four hundred foot home And run. for me,
2: so that's what everybody so with cells relating it back to you know, the batting average thing. That's what most people look at. But for this, I think just what you're saying is the biggest thing that translates over to sales. Because how you re, uh, react to the next door is It's how you thing. react
0: to the failure that's the most important thing with sales, Failure right? and success. Yeah.
2: Because on the flip side of it, if you... Um, I don't know if you've ever watched a game where, uh, you know, there's two outs. We'll just say two outs and a couple guys on, right? And they bring in a pitcher... Um, like, and that's a situation I would be in a lot, right? So I'd come in and you get that out. Well, with baseball, you're like, it's an un- unwritten rule. You take that pitcher out. He just got a really big out and you take him out. You bring in a new pitcher because I don't, it's, it's way too often. Uh, they put him out for the next inning and then he gets hit around.
0: To the oh, court. that's why. So you'll it's see, those, you'll see a, eighth inning. It'll be like eighth inning, two runners on, two outs. They bring Brady in. He gets the out. The temptation for the coaches: let's ride the hot hand and have him close the game. But that pitcher, a lot of time, will get shelled the next. But inning.
2: take that into sales. Like you look at sales, it's like um, you don't want your highs to be too high because you Absolutely. go get a you go get a deal, and then the next door you're knocking at it, and they're like, "Hey, I'm not interested." I'm like, cool, no problem. I- just got a deal, so I don't care, so that you're not focused on that. you let your highs get too high, and then obviously you know you you get the lows too low and you get rejected hard and you know you don't want to knock at another door or whatever. so how do you stay even
1: because I agree I think that's really the that's key the trick. To,
2: I think it's a key to leadership
1: too it's like mm-hmm. think about like there's there's an emergency or some crazy thing happens and the world's over. some managers like just crash and then sometimes it's like we just recruited this guy. We just hit this new level. Money's flowing, and they go too high. Yeah. So
2: how do you stay in the middle? So it's kind of like we heard the other day. Um, you know, you mour- you let yourself mourn for 24 hours. Obviously, we don't have 24 hours, but you do. You do have to give yourself that little mourning period. You know, a couple minutes, um, or the celebration period, a couple minutes. Um, so for me, it's everything has to have a restart moment. So if you're knocking a door and you either get the deal and you're on cloud nine or you get rejected hard, you have to figure out a way to reset. Um, and So you reset, you're able to go to the next door and it's a fresh door rather than, hey, I'm the most excited person out here, I'm super giddy, um, or uh, hey, I'm you know in the dumps, you probably don't wanna to talk to me. So if you right. can figure out a way to reset and if you look at also, um, um, what is it? If you look at baseball players, another one is if a guy strikes out in a big spot. So you have a hitter that's you know has bases loaded or whatever, and he strikes out. Maybe he's the middle infielder. Well, it always the baseball always finds a way to that that player. So oh, in the next the inning. The next inning, there's going to be a ground ball to that middle infielder, and he has to be able to shut that strikeout that just happened uh, out of his mind and field this ball. Or else and, he spirals, right? Or else. It's a snowball effect. What what
0: and I've are been the in that snowball effect? It's not good. Baseball is the most superstitious sport okay, of all sports. The same so what are what are some of what were some of your superstitions and then what are some of your sales superstitions that you have?
2: Oh gosh. Um I'm trying to think if I had I mean any. is
0: the mullet one of them? I mean, is the mullet and the mustache the, one of them?
2: No, but I, I always like, I, this is just
1: badass. This, like, is, there, this is if you're listening
0: <laughs> on the podcast, by the way, Brady, you'll see it when we it release the episode, but Brady's rolling with a mullet. And uh-huh. a mustache, uh-huh. so and a gold chain. He got the chain. two chains. Yeah, yep. he's got You're the two baseball chains. Right now, no, dude. look
2: at this. I mean, we got so the wife gave it to me for Christmas, yep. and then we got the buds. They wanted their shout out anyway, so we got Cam, and Zach gave this to me for my. uh. Um, for my birthday, uh, you're you just know, gonna last keep month. going. Yeah, just keep, just, keep keep just
0: every pile them
1: on. Keep hooking every everybody up. <laughs>
2: pile them on. 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 I got up, whatever we
0: need. <laughs> I got, as far as I'm concerned, I got two wrists and two ankles yeah, too. A yeah. whole a you bunch know, of right, fingers, right, with yeah. Some toe rings. Yeah. <laughs> I got some. I got a fake gold Rolex. You can roll. You can roll. Perfect. Yeah.
1: So you didn't have any superstitions. I'm trying to think if I did um, or selling ones because alarms is way more
2: superstitious than solar. I can.
0: I mean, I have my superstitions too, but it's like I'm sure a baseball player. So.
2: Baseball, there. I mean, there's the little ones, like, like where I'm sitting. If I'm sitting, uh, you know, in, or if I'm like standing in a certain spot during a rally, like you better, not you move that spot, they're gonna get an out. And you know, like, hey, I shouldn't have moved, or my, my arms <laughs> resting on the, you know, the fence or the railing in the dugout, and then you know, we're just we're just rolling. All of a sudden, I let my arm down. Next guy grounds into a double play. I'm like, I and that was your my fault.
0: <laughs> should have let him down. Are. So <laughs> then it's like, next thing you know, people are like, Martinez, get your elbow up on the fence. You know, like yelling there's, at you. A little no, to
1: the
2: left, a little no, to the right. I mean, there's there's a lot of things like that. I mean, people, different guys have to wear, you know, have to clean their shoes before every game, or or keep them dirty. The opposite. You know, wear a
0: certain thing. Same hat all year. All that kind of, it's like Pedroia's hat by the end of a year, just is Massey. disgusting. A lot Massey. of it, I think, yeah. is like
1: apparel, you know, like for like selling. I remember that I would always, um, like if I'm wearing a lanyard around my neck, then um, I have to wear a hat. If I'm not wearing a hat and the lanyard, I feel too salesy, right? So it's like if I have the hat on, I, I clip am. it. Or like a polo, I never wear the lanyard and the polo. It clips on the belt loop if I'm wearing the polo. T-shirt, yeah. I'll wear it over. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, nobody knows that but me, but I'm like, oh, dude. Well, the problem is I was wearing a polo and an outside yeah, lanyard. Yeah, obvious.
0: No wonder what do you, I expect? No wonder you were terrible that Versus, day. Versus,
1: dude, put on a sweatshirt, throw the lanyard on. You're good to go.
0: Yeah. You know? Mine is, uh, I call it the bridge of success. I've posted that on Instagram, but you buy two white, two white monsters and a Reese's fast break. <laughs> you put the white monsters in your cup holders, the fast break across it. That's the bridge of success. Do you know what happens? You want to sell. You want to sell three in a day, Ty. Bridge I, a bridge success. Success. I don't yeah. think the greatest okay.
1: success would work for me. I think <laughs> I think that would be a lot of B twelve or whatever's in those things. That there's would also me like other. a there's
0: also like a certain way that you have to eat it and drink it. It's like a crack the monsters. Couple sips, then I crack the fast break, and then it's like your sip you're to, like two yeah. handed. Into the yeah, it's, like, it's a thing. You know what I mean? But yeah, and you have to time it as you're finishing it, right as you pull into the area. I mean, there's a whole process to it. You know? Dude, I have. It a, just depends if you want to be successful. Not, really. <laughs> Dude, I still do. I actually think
1: I have. Yeah, I always have a pen clipped here. Yeah. But it's not because even when I sell, I hold my iPad and my pen. I haven't written with a pen like decades. You don't Decade. sign contracts with <laughs> no. a pen. But I always have it, and I can't do it with an Apple pencil. So, you know, and I still write on the folder yeah, thing, but it's so funny that like, literally, like when I was getting on the plane yesterday morning, it's like, where's my pen? When was the last time you needed a pen? But I always yeah. have the pen. Yeah. You know, yeah. one of my funniest superstition is, this is my only life Are you gonna, superstition. I
0: feel like you're gonna tell us.
1: So my, <laughs> my only life superstition is I always touch the outside of the plane before boarding the plane. Like a no regrets
0: slap? No, because <laughs> no I've regrets. always done it. I've always done it and I've never
1: crashed. So I, I worry oh, if I stop doing <laughs> yeah. it. So it's like I think like when we land, everyone should be like, "Hey, bro, thanks." You, do got you the stand. On do there. you
0: stand on the certain side of a porch when you knock a door? Oh. Do you? Do you have a knock? Do you have a ring? A doorbell ring? Do you have a like? Gosh, I don't. I don't think I have anything for sales. Dude, some I actually, try and, player You are. So you that's one of the some.
2: things I do is I try and get rid of the superstitions because it fouls you up. Yeah. It, it fouls me up because uh, you know I. You run into reps that, you know, oh, I can't sell today because I don't have my iPad. I'm like, well, you don't need an iPad. to Go get an AC. Whatever. Just, uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if I have any.
0: Brady gets in a house. He's like, well, I would have sold this if I would have rang the doorbell the right way. Yeah. <laughs> I already am I'll, I'll come back tomorrow. I'll come back tomorrow.
1: You remember the days of, like, paper contracts and folders when, like, yeah. you'd get dropped off and, for some reason, like, you left your binder in someone's car and you go out to work with no folders and no contracts? Have or you ever if done that? Or the customer...
2: That? Took your slick,
1: yeah. you were toast. Oh dude, yeah, you can't, get, you that. You can't get your little thing back. <laughs> yeah. I remember knocking doors with like, or I just for some reason, someone took my folders or whatever and I went out to the neighborhood and I was just like, I felt completely naked where I was like, I'm just gonna talk to you about this and if you have a piece of paper, I'll write it down and then I'll have a tech bring me a contract, you know? Yeah. They don't make them like that anymore, dude.
0: Talk to us about the value of working with your friends and if you could encourage anyone that's currently working with us, why they should recruit and and encourage their friends to come work with us? Uh, Well, so I like to have fun. So
2: that's that the job's hard, obviously. And I when I'm recruiting, I always try and tell people, hey, this is super hard. Like it's not physically challenging, but it's mentally challenging. And but if you have your friends with you, and you know, they're doing the same thing you are, and you know you can compete, uh, you know have some trash talk, whatever. And you have the same schedule. Um, it makes it fun. And so that's what you know. When I moved out here, Cam, Zach, Biss, you know some of my best friends. Um, it's you were fun. like the
0: you were like the fourth member of the Beatles moving out.
2: I know it was amazing. You guys had a run. <laughs> how long
0: did you guys have a run together? We, the band didn't unfortunately last as long. as The band Beatles, broke up. The band broke up pretty quick. But how long did you guys have a run together? Oh Probably a good year. Good year, or so good, that, that, year. That, but that was a fun year. But it's like I see, I see, the when I saw the four of you working together, and you've seen this before, where a group of friends is working together. There's a synergy and a level of competition that is just impossible to duplicate any other way. 100. Yeah, so you feed off each other. You feed off each other. The job's more fun. Everything about is more fun. So. If I if I could give like a big piece of advice to anyone starting with us, this job is really challenging at times, but it is so much more fun if you're doing it with your friends.
2: And sometimes it's hard to recruit because you see other recruits that have come in and maybe, you know, not done well, but if you recruit your friends, they you care about them. No one cares more for someone's success than their friends. So, if you recruit your buddy, they're going to do well because you are their source of knowledge. You're not gonna let them fail. No, you're not gonna let them. And that's, I mean, ask Cam. When I first came over, again, I didn't know what I was doing because I had sold door to door for you know 10 years, but it's a new product. I know how to sell door to door, but I had to call him literally every day, probably multiple times. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, I'd have I'd have to call Biss. I'm like, hey, Biss, what is an interconnection document? This customer signing it, and he's like. I don't know how you're getting people to sign things. You don't even know. I mean? <laughs> I'm like, I don't know, but if I didn't have that, you know, friend that, you know, I I was able to call, you know, it's hard. So, 100% recruit your friends, train them, teach them cuz, you know, that's that's how this company grows. This is how that's how your friendship grows. That's how you all you know have fun. Well, you can think of it. Like I think of like close friends that I've
1: recruited and like the type of training they've gotten from me. Like you, you know, you try to give your time to yeah. everybody, but if it's somebody that you stick your neck out there and say, you should do this, like they get the experience as much as I can give, as much as I can like yeah. load it up. It's also you know?
0: from, a, from a leadership standpoint, like I think we think we're giving good training to a lot of our new hires, but I remember when I hired my little brother came out and worked for us. His training that I, he got from me was unlike anyone else that I've ever trained mm-hmm. because I'm like, I am 1000% not letting you fail. So, no, I you're like, stressed. I took yeah. him like shadowing with more. I shadowed him. And and then I, f- I remember finishing it and he did really, really well. He became a manager and he, he did awesome. Um, and I remember thinking if everyone got that same level of training, mm-hmm. like how much more successful would we all be? It's just really hard to be that emotionally invested in every single person we hire. So, that's why, like, recruiting and hiring your friends is so effective um, well, like, because that level of uh, you know just attachment to each other and commitment is so much higher
2: yeah and, and as a amount as a manager you have like the obligation to hey i need to call follow up with reps you know daily have the nightly phone calls whatever if it's your friend you're going to you're going you're to talking, call you call me the chat anyway and so they're getting that constant you know love from you so
1: yeah it always comes up you're on the phone that's why I always tell like call the reps every day because as you're just chatting with them the training comes out right they ask you hey I meant to ask you this a guy said this or whatever that's right
2: but then also I think for me as a manager too like I'm able to do the hard conversation but I've always the my reps I think one of the best things you can do is just make them your friends like do stuff with them Make your reps your friends because if you can try your hardest to make them your friends, you can hopefully get to that point where you're showing them the love you would with your best friends.
0: And conversely, our reps don't be afraid to try to become friends with managers. You know, I think a lot of reps feel intimidated, like, like, like don't be afraid to reach out. Don't be afraid to call your manager and ask questions. And I always find, you know, piece of advice for especially new hires. Don't be afraid to ask a million questions, and yeah. and the reps that ask a million questions, I generally like them more because you can see how hard they're trying, you know.
1: Well, and those type people take the answers and go apply them. There's a real difference between someone that wants to talk to you at four because they're scared to knock doors, and somebody that's like, hey, if I could get this answer, I could be more successful. Because you can tell. Like I remember when um, Devin Arp comes to mind. When Devin came first came to Solar, he was in Thousand Oaks, and I was living in Thousand Oaks at the time. And he's like, dude, I'm probably bugging you. I call you so much. And I'm like, this is the very best use of my time is getting you this information because yeah. you're going to apply it and you're going to teach it to hundreds of people. So whatever question you got, I don't want you walking around not knowing the answer. You know?
0: How much would you bet Ty couldn't hit a pitch off you? Uh, Hold on, right now, Hold right on. now, right Hold now. On. Like, I'm talking. Ten grand. I'm talking. Grand I, I'm, talking I'm talking. Washed up. Washed up. Martinez over here. I haven't pitched in a game since 2009. Since 2009. Okay, <laughs> so first let's let's put, let's
1: put. I'm gonna first of all in the next 15 minutes. I'm gonna be on that lawn swinging at one of the <laughs> pitches. I've, I mean, yeah, I've, I've got a real bat. Yeah, and I've got real like muscles and desire and everything. <laughs> <laughs> but here's the thing. You can't throw any freaking crazy
0: stuff. Like, no, that's the that's point. The, no, that's, no, that's, no.
1: Hold on. You're not throwing. Just I haven't. I haven't. <laughs> whoops, that auntie. I've played about 15 <laughs> minutes of baseball in my life. That's all right. Tied.
0: This is the bet. We're betting this is, this is that, a, that he's gonna. You sh- can't hit a professional-grade pitcher.
1: I can, but not I'm betting
0: ten grand. I'm saying you if you if
1: you throw a south side slider, I'm probably gonna miss it. If you throw like a <laughs>
0: which hey, which shots are you gonna throw, Ty? Yeah, I'm I gonna throw him some nasty shots.
2: <laughs> so well, you promise not to hit me? No, that so that's not a promise.
1: So okay, that's I mean, the That's thing. part of the that's mental part of, part
2: of, of the game. Of the game. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. There's it? a good chance. I will tell you, I pitch. If you hit righty i pitch inside to righty so there's a good chance it might hit you okay
0: hey i want to hear some some head games uh that you played with some batters where hitting a player is part of the deal right i'm like how yeah. many how many players did you hit did you hit people on purpose like did you ever get yeah. you ever get in a fight a lot by the way do you ever get in a fight in a game uh where you bean someone they charge the mound?
2: no i've never been charged on but i did have so Funny story, in summer ball, uh, my, after my freshman year, we had a kid, and I'm, I'm not gonna name any names, um, just in case he listens to this, I guess, but uh, he was super annoying. It was it was a teammate at University of Utah, super annoying kid, and so we played summer ball in Utah County.
0: <laughs> name rhymes with schmott. No, no. And uh, last name rhymes you with You just m- got a list. You just yeah. got a list in your phone, and then you just, put the check mark hey, after you hit him. If you're
2: one of my friends who played Utah, no, uh, you might be on that list. No, but no, I. Every time he came up to bat, I hit him on purpose. Really? <laughs> <laughs> so your friends are like
1: deducing who's the guy that got yeah. hit four uh, times. But oh. the
2: thing is, he wasn't actually a good friend. He was a teammate. Um, you got it. So, yeah. <laughs> Big difference. Big difference there. No, he. But I mean, there's there's a lot of times when it. <laughs> so I remember in. Uh, Did he
0: know you were gonna hit him?
2: No, not a chance. Um, but you hit him every time. Every time, hit- and it was probably about five times.
0: Wait, would you hit him first pitch, or was it uh, like you you you? I you'd, would. Maybe You'd it's for fish. Unless I missed him. Unless I missed And would <laughs> be like, oh, it got away. He's like, no, no, time.
2: I threw it at him four times. Again, <laughs> again, I pitch on the inside part of the plate. So if it gets away from me, it gets away from me. Yeah. Um, no. Uh, yeah. I mean, we had in Winnipeg. So I was playing for Kansas City, and we had a game up in Winnipeg. And yeah, a guy, a guy came uh, sliding into shortstop. Uh, you know, cleats high which you know that's that's, that's but, not that's, that's it's not yep. good.
0: And so yeah that guy
2: he got hit. Um, so coincidentally, you were so, so, yeah, so yeah, I no, like I actually love know, this
0: part of baseball and we're almost out of time but all there's all these there's an entire book of unwritten rules of baseball and one of the rules is a player comes in sliding cleats up to a shortstop the next time he's up to bat, the pitcher's hitting him with the ball. Like 100%, yeah, 100%. of the time, basically, right? You protect your team. There's no rule that says that's happening. It's just everyone on both teams knows this guy is getting hit the next time he's up to bat. And then, of course, first pitch, the pitcher throws the ball at his head. And, <laughs> and usually it, it goes into, well, but sometimes if well, look, the other team knows it was dirty on the slide, the other team won't like do anything, right? Because yeah. they know he had it coming.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, so the funniest thing this past year is Joe Kelly. Do you remember that yeah, Joe, of Kelly, yeah, Joe, Joe Kelly? The Joe Kelly fight face. club. So, um, yeah, exactly. So uh, the Astros, you know, they do all their garbage, and then, you know, Joe Kelly goes and- Cleans hits, it up? Uh, yeah, well, that's One of them, I can't remember which one, but-
0: I love, I Power mean, basically. so I sent high, um all these videos. With yeah, Blanky I know about K. Joe
2: Kelly fight club.
0: So I'm always sending Ty, like the videos, there's a whole Instagram page of a guy who explains the history of every fight that's happened in baseball. That's incredible. It's awesome. And, and so he explains the Joe Kelly one where the Astros get busted for cheating or whatever, and it carries over to the entire next season. And they're like a third of the way into the season before they even play each other. First batter, Joe Kelly hits him. And that was for that was retribution. for the season before, <laughs> like over a year ago. You know what I mean? And yeah. everybody knew it was coming. He's and like, everybody. He's,
1: like, he's got like a book trying to keep all this stuff straight. You uh, know? And, every, and
0: everyone just kind of shrugged their Yeah, I mean, they had it coming. You yeah. know, it's like everyone just knew it was about to happen. <laughs> Dude,
1: I can't imagine like what it would feel like to get hit like with a fastball at like 95 You're about to hour.
0: find out, buddy. <laughs> yeah.
1: No, I'm not. Not, not if he's inten- see <laughs> He told me, he's like, if you're right-handed, up. I'm going to try to hit your Apple watch. Nope, not standing in front of it.
0: <laughs> well, Brady, what, what piece of advice would you give to our new reps as we as we wrap up here? Uh,
2: honestly, for me, it's always just get over the learning curve as fast as possible. If you try and drag it on, because I think the hardest thing to do as is a, is a new rep is knock a door. And for whatever reason, it gets intimidating. And the longer you put it off, the harder it gets. Like you fall into this mm. rut of, hey, I didn't knock a door today. I went out to my area or I knocked only a couple doors and saw rejection, so I didn't keep going. Um, my advice is keep going no matter what. Like, just keep moving. Uh, knock as many doors as possible. You'll get over the learning curve, and then uh, it's still hard, but it, it gets it gets uh, fun when you have some money.
0: Well, Bray, it's been fun, man. I uh, appreciate you coming up, and uh, loved hearing all the stories. So I think our guys will really love hearing, hearing uh, what you have to share. So... Thanks, everybody, for another episode of Electric People. Brady Martinez. Thank you, guys. If you've liked what
1: you've heard and are interested in joining our teams,
0: check us out at viventsolarcom forward slash careers. If you enjoyed the podcast, please go to iTunes and subscribe. Leave us a great review and leave us a five-star rating.
1: Thanks for hanging out with us today. This is Electric People. Take these principles and go be electric.